Welcome to the Becoming Eva podcast, where we discuss real-life issues from a woman's perspective. Becoming Eva seeks to break the silence within the female community while fostering authenticity, transparency, and healing. We're We're your hosts, Latoya Moore and Maya Dawson. Let's get started. Welcome to the Becoming Eva podcast. Season three. This is our premiere. I'm Latoya Moore. I'm your host. And I am Maya Dawson. I am also your host. So we missed y'all. It's been a minute. Yes, it has. <laughs> so how's your week been, Toya? I know it's, you know, we're doing it a little bit different this time. We're on Thursday night. So how's your week going so far? How's it been? Um, It's been one of those weeks where it's like, man, <laughs> I need to pull my hair out um, oh, no. or I need some self-care and soul care um, regimen like ASAP because with my kiddos activities, going back to work after having um, Mason, um, balancing everything with four kids, all of their activities, um, all the different demands from work. It's been a little stressful. <laughs> Just a little? Just a little bit. I need some. Oh, no. I lost my friend Toya. Y'all, we, we're going through it tonight. That's one of the reasons we're on here so late is because Toya keep getting kicked off of Facebook. So, or not off of Facebook, off of Zoom. So I'm hoping she'll be able to call back in. If not, we may have to come back. This is her now. Let's see. Can you hear us? Is that you, Toya? Are you going to make it? I'm going to make it. (laughs) I was just telling everybody, if we need to start over, we'll start over because we got to, we got to have you, girl. We got to have you. I don't know what's going on. It's just kicking me out, but I'm back. Okay, well, if you get kicked off again, we'll start over. Okay, so you were telling us about your week and why it's been a little bit off the chain. Yes. So back to work after being off for maternity leave, um, just the transition, new curriculum. They had to throw that in there this year. Four kids, new baby. I, it's been a week. At book club uh, was yesterday night. Yeah, we closed up. Yes, we ended our book club. Um, just a lot of things going on. All the kiddos' activities: gymnastics, soccer, swim, dance. The my kids are living their best lives right now. <laughs> Look, let them. They live in their best life. That's good. That's very good. <laughs> how's your week been it's been full definitely full I would say yesterday and today have been the the most draining and I was just telling my boss earlier today um I started in a new role so I'm still learning things but um you know feeling like I'm starting to get the hang of stuff but this week was one of those weeks where you start to kind of get exposed to the different nuances of your role where it's not just about the task and what you have to do, but it's about the people that you have to engage with. So having to put on my people skills hat, which honestly I have found to be more draining 
than just the day-to-day task. So I was looking at my calendar like, oh, I got a pretty light week this week, but the back and forth between the people, oh my gosh, it was draining me. So, I mean, literally to the point where when I woke up this morning, I was like, I'm tired. What day is it? How many, how many, what we got left to do, like for real? So yeah, yesterday and today have been very full. So needless to say, I am glad that we are almost to the weekend. Almost. We get yes. Happy Friday Eve. <laughs> yes. And I, I gladly say Friday Eve. So, all right. So let's get into it, y'all. We got a lot of catching up to do. So first and foremost, we got a new segment that we want to try out on y'all. And you tell us if you like it or not. But we're going to talk about what's trending because we get some feedback saying, hey, Y'all don't ever talk about current events a lot. We want to hear what you think about current events. So we have three items that we're going to sound off on regarding what is trending this week, okay? So the first thing is our girl, Shakari Richardson, all right? For those of you that don't know, or you may remember, you know, good old Shakari Richardson, you know, our our homegirl, our roundaway girl representing the Black community, running her tail off. Um, qualified for the Olympics, but unfortunately was then shortly thereafter disqualified because she was found to have marijuana in her, um, during her drug testing. And so, of course, there was an uproar about that. I believe she recently lost her mother. And just the fact that, you know, marijuana nowadays is more of a recreational drug. It's legal in a lot of states. And so, and for medical purposes, people use it. So a lot of people were in an uproar, like, I can't believe, you know, they're doing my girl wrong. She hasn't been qualified to go to the Olympics. So long story short, she doesn't make it to the Olympics. You know, um, U.S. represents pretty well um, without her. But she was talking smack the whole time we were, um, you know, doing our thing at the Olympics or the U.S. was doing their thing at the Olympics. Like, hey, don't y'all miss me? Don't y'all wish I could be out there? Like, what's going on? You know, I mean, I get it. Girl can run. Girl was killing it, doing her thing. But at the end of the day, you know, it starts to feel like, you know, a setup when you start talking a good game, you got to deliver, right? So long story short, we get back from the Olympics and I don't know what this most recent round was, if it was a qualifying round for something or if it was just, you know, a a, a regular fair game sprint competition, whatever you want to call it for off season. So she competes again and she gets smoked, like pretty much she gets smoked, like, you know, very close to last, if not last. So all that to say, what are your thoughts on, you know, the black girl that can run, Shakari Richardson? So, you know, I was a track runner. So another thing I'm learning about Toya is like, she'll pull something out of her hat. Like, well, you know, I'm surprised you didn't say, well, you know, I competed in the Olympics back in 2008. we were in our book club and she talked about being recruited overseas for volleyball like what in the world okay finish the story i just had i just had to i had to have a moment but go ahead toya tell us tell us but homegirl should have knew the rules like she knows the rules i know um weed is legal in some states but if you are trying to qualify and participate in the olympics yeah you know the rules and you know the risk when you light it up and smoke it. Ah, when you light it up. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, you know, the risks, risks. So I was really disappointed um, that she did not get to participate in the Olympics. But at the same time, I was like, but you know, the risk. Yeah. Like, you know, they do drug tests, yeah. even though it's legal in some states. It's not, it's, it, Olympics is international. You can't, you have to follow the rules. And then I, like, I understand that, you know, she was going through a rough patch and different things like that. Um, I think maybe her support system should have reached out to her and perhaps, um, uh, you know, gave her, helped, helped her with some, some therapy um, to help talk through those different thoughts and feelings like more support um and then with her coming in the last place in the most recent event that she was in I know she was talking a lot of smack like I'm the best and it's gonna happen and I know people are like but you just missed the Olympics and then you came in last place um so I think maybe the nerves got the best of her too much attention yeah um I I can see it mentally probably um, distracting distracting her from being her best because in track you have to have your mind mentally in every single race. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you shouldn't be putting yourself on blast. Like I feel like you put yourself on blast. Like when you talk a good game, you gotta back it up. Like I'm I'm old school. Don't say it unless you mean it. Like don't. And if you gonna come come hard and come correct, like for real. So, and, and in some cases you got to show people before you can tell them, because if you tell them and you don't deliver, it just makes it all the more worse. So that was my thing. I was like, you just was talking too much, Matt. So, you know, let your work speak for itself, you know, and that way let other people talk about you instead of you doing all the talking. Cause it was right. much for me. So, all right. <laughs> on to the next, on to the next. All right. Um, the crate challenge. So let me ask, are you familiar with the crate challenge? I am. I was scrolling through Ah! my Instagram (laughs) and Twitter and looking at all these different crate challenges. I was like, OMG, people, why are we doing that? People falling, uh, looking like they're breaking their arms and legs and necks and stuff. Like, why are we doing the crate challenge? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's always some challenge, but this one in particular, for those of you that don't know, literally is what it, what it says, what it's called, the crate challenge. They're taking those plastic milk crates that carry about four gallons of milk and they are stacking them one on top of the other, building bridges, obstacle courses, as high as you can go towers and trying to see who can stay on them the longest. And people are betting like mad loot over this, like G's over this. I'm like, first of all, like, I don't know what your week be looking like, but my week is mad busy and I don't don't have time for something like that. And then of course, here go my husband. He's like, well, how much money would you do it for? And I was like, well, if we putting some money on it, I don't know. It's going to have to be more than a couple of G's. I mean, people going to the hospital over this. I yeah. would say, yeah, we, we're going to have to bump that up to enough to cover my hospital bills. How about that? <laughs> so, oh, 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 I'm thinking 100K or more if I'm going to put my life on the line. But these people, 
they just out here doing the most. So what are your thoughts on the crate challenge? I'm not participating. (laughs) (laughs) Under any circumstance? No, 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 man. Even if, even if they was about to, like, you could win some man money, like, for no, real. ma'am, no, ma'am, you, you are could pay not, for your kids' college. You are All not about to videotape me and keep <laughs> keep my images of me falling <laughs> on the internet <laughs> for a lifetime that the internet is <laughs> available. I will not be your <laughs> entertainment. You good, huh? I'm good. You couldn't pay me to do that. No, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. I just had to throw that one in there for, you know, for kicks, for laughs, for giggles. All right. And then our third what's trending topic. Oh, gosh. Dell and Sadell Curry. Is it Sadell? No, Sonia. That's their daughter. Dell and Sonia or Sonia Curry. The Currys, a.k.a. Steph, Seth, and Sadell's mama and daddy. They have filed for divorce after how many years of marriage? 33. 33, 33 the age of Jesus at his crucifixion. But neither, neither here nor there. I'm just saying, 33 years is a long time. But they have filed for divorce. And apparently, it you know has been said that one, if not both of them, have cheated on one another during the course of their marriage. So, of course, you know, nobody's in their bedroom, in their marriage, except them and the Lord. We don't really know all the details of it, but I'm just wanting to get your thoughts on this. Because to me, like, I mean, I have always loved the Dale family, period. I mean, not the Dale family, the Curry family, period. Like, you know, I mean, of course, Steph is repping his thing on the court and then off the court, too, as a, you know, someone who professes Christ, you know, and I just really love their family. They've always seemed wholesome. You know, the um, the NBA, longtime NBA player who raises up two other NBA players, the daughter marries, you know, um, I don't know if her husband is an NBA, NBA player, but I know her father-in-law is Doc, um, one of the coaches for the NBA. But all that to say, uh, well, no, did I get that wrong? No, Seth's father-in-law is Doc. They all in the, all in the basketball family though. But needless to say, like, I, I just really always saw them to be a very wholesome family. And so it just broke my heart. It always breaks my heart when, when families get divorced, just because I know God, you know, desires to use marriage to model, you know, out Christ's love for the church to just the world in general. But it, it just always breaks my heart. And so for them to be in it this long after 33 years and to call it quits, like, it's just rough, man. Like, what, what are your thoughts? So my first thought, you guys have been married for over a quarter of a century. Um, I think you should work it out. Like you've raised a whole family. Yeah. And got grandkids and, and everything. Grandkids, all of that. Mm-hmm. You do not want to be out here in this world single, you know, doing TikTok challenges and crate challenges and trying to keep up. (laughs) Married people do TikTok and crate challenges too. Don't get it twisted. Listen, you do not want to be out here trying to compete with these single folks. I just don't think it's it's the life. I get it. I get it. I just swipe left and swipe right and dating apps. Like it's a whole new ball game from 33 years ago. You do not want to be out there dating. Like I know people that are single 
and they you know they share their struggles like, like I cannot imagine like dating in this day and age like with all the different dating apps and yeah all of that stuff like I think they should work it out communicate um get some family therapy or something like you guys have been married for 33 years don't I, and they've it. raised some successful kids. Right. Like, I, I get it. I get it. I think my thing is, and I, I agree. I definitely agree. But I think as more facts or information, I won't say facts, as more information rises to the surface, it seems like this has been a long term thing that they have been dealing with behind the scenes where, you know, either one person started cheating back in the day and ain't no telling how long the relationship went on or is going on, number one. And then the other person may have started cheating out of revenge or neglect or whatever. And ain't no telling how long that's been going on. Like, it seems like it has been longer than we realize, than the public realizes. And they may, in fact, still be in relationship with the other person. I could be wrong. Like I said, ain't nobody in their bedroom, but them and the Lord. But as information rises to the top, it's kind of like, hmm, like there's a lot more to this story. So that is why I am like kind of hesitant to say, and I believe God can redeem anything. They definitely can try and should try to work it out but it seems like there's so much more uh other so many other factors in there that we don't necessarily know that's all you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. okay all right that is what's trending for becoming either tonight's episode all right so let's get into the nitty-gritty so we really wanted to spend this first um episode catching up with you because if you haven't noticed we did not have a season earlier this year because drumroll please we had a very special new addition to the becoming eva community to the be community so well i'll let toya talk about that but we're just going to share kind of our top three for 2021 and then dive into a little bit deeper to some of those things so what would you say are the top three things that you have experienced this year i have a feeling i know what number one is but can of you course, this? of course you know what number one is my golden child was born golden child (laughs) golden child mason my first and only son was born in february so that has been my number one um new update or new change since 2021 um i don't want to leave my other kiddos out uh, all of my girls hit major birth birthday milestones. They turned three, five, and eight. So that's Layla, Ryla, and Mariah. Yay. And they are loving on their brother and fighting <laughs> over him. Like, I want to hold him. I want to give him a bottle. Like, they're just fighting over Mr. Mason. And I would say the next biggest update is all of my girls have decided to get in some activities, um, gymnastics, soccer, dance, and swim. 
Wow. Oh, Girl Scouts. I forgot wow. about Girl Scouts. I think that's it. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. They've we've been we've been busy in the Moore household. Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. Oh my God. All right. So what about your top three changes or updates, Maya? I know you've got some good things going on too. Yes, yes. My top three, I'll keep in line with the with the um new edition piece. Um, one of my nieces, they are like my pride and joy. One of my nieces um actually had a child over the summer. She had a little boy as well. So it's amazing that I am now considered a great aunt. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, but I'm super excited. I hate that I haven't met him yet, but I am super excited to have a little nephew to, you know, spoil rotten. So yeah, so that was number one. Number two, your girl got promoted. I have actually been working to get promoted probably since the beginning of the year, um, just because I, you know, wanted to experience more on my job, wanted to be challenged more, you know, wanted to secure the bag, whatever you want to call it, all that good stuff. And then also too, I've really been trying to be strategic about making sure that if I'm going to work a nine to five, that my job, um, allows me to utilize or to develop skills that I can, that I want to use in my, you know, in my five to nine, if you will, in my other endeavors. And so really trying to marry what I'm passionate about and be able to do that in my nine to five. So really excited because it does provide an opportunity for me to kind of dabble on the creative side of things as well and still be on the strategic project planning side as well. So really excited about that. And then the third thing is my husband and I shot a short film this summer. Yay. Like that was huge for us. I mean, we had been talking about doing it for a minute and everything just kind of lined up where we had the means, we had the time, we had the talent, um, you know, God surrounded us with an awesome group of people to come alongside and support us. And we were able to shoot a legit short film. And when I say legit, I mean like legit, like quality. I'm really excited about it. So yeah, so more details on that, but those are my big three. So as y'all can see, we've been busy, but uh, we missed y'all and we're excited to be back with season three of Becoming Eva. So... We got to dive a little bit deeper um, of our big three. We wanted to expound a little bit on one of them just to kind of let you all in because there's been a lot going on. And so Toya alluded to the fact that we're not alluded, but shared, you know, she um, has a new addition in our family, her first and only son. And so wanted to talk a little bit about that transition. But before we get into that, I know you posted a video over the summer. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit about that because honestly, it got some pretty good views. So I wanted you to share. I remember us talking um, before you were about to deliver and there was some anxiety. So you can share with us about how things were leading up into the delivery. How were you feeling and what was going on? So, of course, I always have anxiety when I'm pregnant because labor delivery is it's so many unknowns in how it's going to go and I've had a variety of different experiences like the first um, time I delivered I 
push for four hours, um, which is an extremely long time. And I didn't know any better because it was my first time. So, and it was very rough because I was like, I'm doing this all natural. <laughs> Why you gotta have that voice, Toya? I'm just you- saying, I was trying to be like superwoman in there. And the lady was like, if you change your mind, just let me know. Uh, we'll get the dude. And so... <laughs> you know, I changed my mind. Um, (laughs) And I was like, go find him. Like I was acting like really crazy up in there. Um, I was throwing things a bit Ryan, like all kinds of things. Like the first one. No, pray for Ryan. Yes. It was, it was a mess. Like reserve calm. Toya was like nowhere to be found that day. Um, So after that, The rest of uh, my birth stories were much, or the birth experience experience was much like smoother and easier. I was more calm, things like that. But I still have like anxiety, like leading up to the birth, you know, Mm, like, I don't know. That first one was like four hours of pushing. It was rough, you know, the epidural does not work on my body. Like it was, you know. So needless to say, I had anxiety leading up to the birth. Mm-hmm. Mason kept turning um, from breach to transverse to head down to breach again. And so they were like, girl, you're going to need a C-section. Like if he does not turn and like they were trying to get me to go in and do this like um procedure where they try to spin him like a week before but then they were like if we do that you still might have to get an emergency c-section like if his heart rate goes down stuff like that and so this was like when I was in my 38th week Mm -hmm. and I was like well if I go through all that like what's the percentage of him staying head down if we spin him Mm -hmm. and they were like oh it's 50 50 so like next week when you come in for your induction, he can be breached again. And I was like, so why would I go through all that if, you know, he could be breached again? Yeah. So I decided to just pray. All right. I looked, I looked up, um, I looked up some, some different natural techniques to get him to turn on his own. Amen. Um, And my doctor did not believe that he was going to do that because she was like, they don't, once they're in the 38th week, they don't usually turn anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't turn. They're usually in the position they're going to be in for birth. But you know, I got God on my side. I was like, I'm not accepting that. So (laughs) I started praying and professing over my womb. Um, we were doing all these different tricks that we had looked up. Um, we were using flashlights, talking to him, um, playing music, gospel music, um, near like the bottom of my womb where we wanted his head to turn. Uh, I was using like frozen, uh, fruit. Oh my Lord. Like I was doing all kinds of tricks and, and exercises and techniques. And so when I showed up, on the induction day, like I already felt that he had turned head down. And so Amen. my doctor came in with jokes. She was like, I'm going to see if uh, all those little old wives tales worked 
So let's just see if he's head down. Because I think she thought, you know, that he was, I was going to have to have a C-section. So mm-hmm. she did it, did the ultrasound and was like, oh, he's head down. You don't, you don't need a C-section. We could just get another induction. Now I had to have the induction because um, they said that he was not thriving and growing um, and they did not know why. So okay. we had to, I had to have the induction um, mm-hmm. because they didn't know why he wasn't growing at the rate that he should have been growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, listen, listen now with this epidural, because when you get induced, like the Pitocin medicine um, is it with the contractions, it makes it like really, really stronger, really mm. more painful because they're unnatural contractions and they're coming like really, really fast and hard. And like I said, the epidural does not work on me. So I was like, <laughs> listen, folks, we're gonna have to do something about that epidural because it does not work. Yeah. And I know that medicine makes it really strong. And so they said, well, let's just uh, talk to the anesthesiologist and see what you know he can do and so he said I'll give it to you now and I'll come back uh, when it's closer to when you need to push and we'll see if that works and so we did that um, because it's a lot it's a lot of pain for me when they're checking like my cervix because mm-hmm. um, it's really weird of like how how it's positioned so they were like let's go ahead and give you the epidural now um mason was not really making any progress at like six o'clock in the evening and i was there since about six o'clock that morning and so six o'clock that evening um you know he was just chilling he wasn't making any progress and they're like okay we need to figure out a way to kind of get him to come on down yeah and so she was like well since you're since you were doing old wives tales Ah! um (laughs) how do you feel about doing something that's a little unconventional and I was like okay tell me more and she was like we're gonna have to do something called shaking the apples (laughs) and I was like okay and so I was like, how are you guys going to do that when I've had an epidural? Like I'm partially numb. And she was like, well, we'll, we'll help you. And then um, she kind of showed me and told me what we were going to do. And basically you like get on all fours and they kind of shake your bottom like you're twerking in the air. And <laughs> so for the baby. it mm. helps get the baby to move down. Mm. And so we started this at about 6 10 that evening and the first time they did it i was like whoa i feel his head i think he's coming hey and they were like um that was just the first time I, it shouldn't work that fast and they, sh- they shook again i was like um i really think i feel his head coming down and they were like well let me just do it one more time you know, they shook me. I was like, he's coming, he's coming. And so they flipped me over. Um, and I was like, you know, hyperventilating. Cause I was like, uh-huh. I can, I can feel the pressure. I was like, no, yeah, he's about to come. And they were like, it's not supposed to work that fast. Mm. So at like <laughs> at 6 15, um, she was like, Oh, <laughs> I 
message and he is coming you're getting ready to push and so i was like thinking like i told y'all he was yep. coming and so i pushed three good pushes and he was out oh like mason so fast I amen for two minutes uh which was the fastest amen push come on in the room it was a supernatural childbirth because at about 5 30 we started uh listening to praise and worship music um you know and i i was just i think i was like in a, a peace of mind and i could feel god's presence and it was like a joyful time like i was Amen. so happy and i was like this was like a real supernatural childbirth it was like the least amount of pain that you could ever expect um childbirth. so that's the supernatural childbirth story in a nutshell oh god girl toya after three girls after three pregnancies look you deserve that every every bit of that peaceful delivery you deserve it and then some so praise god praise god and please believe i was taking notes so thank you thank you ma'am good stuff so okay so mason is your first and only son so what's it like having a boy now i absolutely love it i don't know what it is about having a boy but he has stolen my heart so jealous and mad and it just makes me so happy that's a mess because mason is all over me and he loves me and it's i don't know what it is but he's so easy too he's a super sweet baby um easy smooth temperament just a really easy going baby that's awesome praise god and then of course now you didn't throw him in the mix number four has it changed having going from three to four is it about the same like how would you describe it i think it's about the same mm-hmm. i think because we we've already kind of mastered the whole like parenting partnership like we equally help with the child rearing like ryan helps with bath time and you know getting the kids dressed for school ironing clothes like he helps with some of those um different things that men weren't traditionally used to doing so yeah so the transition is has not been as bad it's just like throwing another one in the mix and then all of his sisters are such good helpers so it's it's actually not been that bad that's awesome that is awesome praise god the mommyhood journey continues that's what's up (laughs) so let's hear a little bit about you maya you are doing big things making short films what led you guys to making the short film? Well, you know, um, Chris and I, my husband, we're very, well, first of all, we're, we're very creative individuals. Um, Chris is like, I feel like he's like the ultimate, like 
creative genius dreamer, whatever you want to call it. Like he literally wakes up every day with a brand new idea and I'm very strategic. So I have creativity, but I'm immediately trying to figure out, okay, how do we get this done? So long story short, we actually have been writing together pretty much since we've been married. Like that's been kind of one of our pastimes where we'll come together and we'll be like, all right, let's work on, you know, a synopsis for, you know, a film or a pilot or, you know, whatever, let's work on something, you know? And so we actually wrote this short film, gosh, like six years ago, it's been a minute. And so, you know, we wrote it, um, submitted it for a competition and got some pretty good feedback from that, had some other people read it, kind of moved on, started writing some other things, working on some other things. But we always had it on the radar that we wanted to shoot and edit this film because for us, we were like, okay, you know, if we really want to, we're called to impact arts and entertainment. So if we really want to do this, like, let's start with something on a small scale, kind of get our feet wet, you know, figure out what the process entails. And then at the same time, we can start building like, um, you know, a community and networking and getting to know people in the industry as well. So we were like, all right, we're going to start with something small. So we literally had, we have like a, a prayer board in our room of different things that we're believing God for. And so shoot and edit this short film has been on there for like two years. And so we were talking at the top of the year and we were trying to figure out, okay, what do we want to focus on? Um, we have a, a company called Creative Air that does a lot of creative consulting. And the goal is that the revenue that we generate from Creative Air will be used to fund our passion projects. So we were like, okay, what do we want to work on this year? And so we were thinking about doing a podcast and we were trying to figure out, okay, do we want to do that? What should it be about? And we actually um, had a good friend of ours recently start a production company and he's been trying to get his feet wet. And so shout out to, you know, to Will Smith, to Waywater Entertainment um, and, we had saw some of the work that he had been doing and he actually had been working with some of the artists that we had been consulting. So there was already a relationship there and we were like, okay, like, you know, we want to support you. And he's like, well, I want to support y'all. How can I support y'all? And so we literally like looked at each other like, wow, this would be a great opportunity to shoot this short film, you know? So he set up some meetings and we just kind of talked through some things. Now I will tell you the turning point for us when we were like, okay, we really need to take this seriously is when he said, okay, what is your budget? <laughs> we were like, hum, that's a good question because oftentimes when you're about to jump out the window, you jump out the window and you're like, we'll figure it out as we go. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it really forced us to take a step back and say, hey, if we really want to take this serious, if we really want to put our absolute best foot forward, let's really think about the answer to that question and let's figure out what we're willing to commit to. And, you know, basically how much skin we're willing to put into the game, because, you know, when it comes to arts and entertainment, a lot of times we do things because we're gifted at them or, you know, we're interested in them, but the rubber really hits the road. Number one, when you have to start investing time, when you have to start investing money and when you become open to critique. And so all that to say, like, 
that question for us kind of changed the game because we were like, wow, if we really want to do this, let's take a step back and figure it out. So we did. We took a step back and read through everything again to make sure we still liked it, did some final revisions, really sat back, looked at what we had to invest in it, looked at what we wanted to invest in it, and really tried to map out a plan. And that's how it happened. So, I mean, it's been amazing, though, because I will say um, I, I'm really big on going with the grace. And when I say go with the grace, like, you know, you pray about something, you're trusting and believing God for something. But for me, there are there are certain endeavors and seasons in my life when I'm like, OK, I know God is gracing me to do this. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that I have all the answers, but it means that I know that God is with me and I know that God is going to open up the pathway as we go. And I genuinely felt that when we were doing this project. So it was really one of those things where I was like, wow, God, like you are really doing this. And it, it, it's been an amazing ride. It really has been. Do you mind telling the Becoming Eva audience a little bit about what your short film is about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I will say it's, um, if anybody knows my husband, Chris, they, they know he has a bit of a, um, and I say bit sarcastically, but he has a bit of a conspiracy theory uh, mindset. You know, he's always thinking like, you know, what's the real reason behind this? Or why do you really think that happened? You know, but long story short, it's uh, about an up and coming young black male actor who is trying to, he has a big break. And he's trying to take that next step and continue to progress in his career. And he's presented with an opportunity um, and he has to decide whether or not he's going to take the opportunity and if it would potentially mean compromising, you know, a certain aspect of his character or his integrity or just his own personal, you know, desires and temperament. So um, it's, it's really, it really is about the decisions that we have to make when we're on that grind and when we're trying to, you know, pursue what God has called us to do and what God has gifted us to do. Like what boundaries do we have in place? What convictions do we have in place? And it's comedic. Like this is not a huge, I wouldn't even say this is like even a huge decision that he has to make, but for him as a black man, it feels huge because of just whatever perceptions or tenets that he has already, you know, set up in his mind, whatever preconceived notions he already has in his mind, it feels like a huge decision. And he has to decide, you know, okay, am I going to take this step? Am I going to stand up and, you know, reject this step? What does that mean for my career if I reject this step? What does it mean for my career if I accept this step? You know, so it really is about the decisions that we make when we're on that grind and we're on our hustle and we're trying to get to that next level. So I'm excited about it. It should spark some good conversation. And I feel like, you know, it already does spark a good conversation. Like we were just talking with the, um, person that's editing the film and he he was at a retreat over the summer he said you know what 
one night this conversation just sparked up about the very topic of the film. And all I could think to myself was like, hey, like we're working on a film about that right now, you know? And so it does have some, you know, conspiracy theory elements to it. But at the same time, I feel like there are some real conversation starters in there. And that to me is the purpose of a short film. It may not always give you resolution. It may not always tie things up into a pretty bow, but it's definitely meant to start a conversation. It's definitely meant to get your wheels turning. So I'm excited. I'm excited too. I can't wait to watch it. We are in the final stages of editing so and we're you know laura willing if you know depending on how COVID want to act we're still planning to have like a premiere an actual premiere for it because we definitely like i said we want to put our best foot forward you know we want to submit it to as many festivals and streaming platforms and and um you know con channels that are looking for content as possible um because we really believe in it and we believe it was quality work you know we were blessed to work with some very talented actors, to work with, you know, um, crew members that have, that are in the industry, that have been in the industry. And the best thing about it was like, they really enjoyed working with us. Like they were like, Hey, this has been a great experience. We would love to know the next thing that you're working on. And for me, that was like one of the main goals because we wanted to be able to establish a rapport and to start building a network because this is like the first of many, hopefully prayerfully, that we'll be able to kind of put out into the world um, many different pieces of content, if you will. So I I'm excited about it. So what was the process of shooting your short film like, like working with the actors, the actresses? I assume you were like the director. Were you the director? I was over the director. The okay. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, my husband let me direct. Thank you, Jesus. I had it on my 40 for 40 list. If anybody knows me and has been watching Becoming Eva, you know I have a 40 for 40 list. And I had on there direct a short film because... I just believe that that's something that I could do and something that I would enjoy doing and something that I could actually be good at. So I was like, you know, when this opportunity came, I was like, oh, babe, please, please, can I please? So he was like, you can direct this one. I'll direct the next one. I was like, thanks, babe, thanks. But um, for me, I love whenever I have an opportunity to take my creative strategy, project planning side of myself and merge it with my creative artistry side. Like, I love that. And so it was a great opportunity to merge that, to like actually work with actors, like real actors and be able to pull out certain emotions from them and look at how they were going to engage with one another and kind of walk them through blocking and all that kind of, I love that kind of stuff just because I've acted before, you know, and I love working with other artists. And so, but yeah, so stepping back, looking at the process, I mean, First and foremost, I put my project manager hat on because I was looking at the amount of time that we would need and I laid everything out, you know, um, timeline wise, the steps that it would take. Um, and then I also laid out each scene, you know, as far as what we would need to pull off each scene from locations to props to actors to wardrobes. Like we were very intentional, you know, we did character synopses for each um, character. We knew who we were looking for. We knew what we wanted. So when we hit the ground, we were able to hit the ground running. And so 
the first step after we did all that pre-planning was to do auditions. And so we hosted um, virtual auditions. We did some postings. We had people submit um, one minute videos of comedic and dramatic monologues and we reviewed them that way and then based on the people that we thought would be good fits we invited them to come in to do chemistry reads where they would read certain parts with one another so we could see how they engage with one another um, you know how they looked in person what their mannerisms were and all that stuff and so we finalized the cast that way had some great friends that, you know, from acting teachers to, you know, um, casting call people to, um, Will, Will Smith actually does a lot of work, um, a lot of extra work. So he was able to pull in a lot of people that he was meeting on set for, for other films. So that was really cool. Um, so once we finalized the cast, we set aside a solid month to do rehearsals and we rehearsed one scene at a time. The way the short film is set up, we have one main character and they basically engage with different people during each scene. And so we were able to rehearse scene by scene with different people aside from the main character. So that was really cool, you know, to do blocking and pull pull different emotions out of people. We did location scouting uh, for where we wanted to shoot. And our goal was to finalize all that you know, over about a 45 day period of time. And then we shot over the course of one weekend. Um, we wanted to be able to shoot everything in one weekend um, while we had everybody in one place at one time. Um, and, you know, by the grace of God, we were able to pull it off. You know, I learned a lot in the process. I really did. And I'm still learning as we're doing post-production and they're of course now preparing to market and promote it and submit it to different places, but I couldn't be more happy with the outcome. Awesome. Well, so what were some, some major things that you learned from this process? Because I know this is not going to be your one and only short film. Like what are some different things that you're going to implement the next, in the next time? I would say the first thing is like really be intentional about having a budget and it doesn't have to be a big budget. I mean, a lot of people were like, gosh, you must have spent a lot of money to pull this off. Now, granted, we spent some money. I'm not going to lie about that. But the, the talent that we got, they just want to work. They want to work and they want exposure. And so it wasn't like we could offer them this huge check, but we did provide an opportunity for them to, number one, utilize their gifts. And then number two, for them to be exposed, to have greater exposure in the industry. And as an artist, as somebody that has you know been in the industry in some way, shape or form, I'm like, I know your time is valuable. I know you want to be treated with respect. I know, I knew there were certain creature comforts even like food. Food is a huge game changer for cast and crew. You know, just feeding people helps them to like enjoy being on set longer, you know, um, compensating people, even if it's not financially, but compensating them and respecting their time. If you give them a window and say, hey, we're rehearsing from this time to this time or we're shooting from this time to this time, plan accordingly and honor their time. And if something doesn't work out, then be upfront and tell them, hey, this is what's going on. You know, can we, can you stay longer or can we reschedule you? But like respecting people's time, I think was huge for the artists that we worked with. Like they were just appreciative of the fact that we honored them as artists, you know, and we respected them as artists. And so um, I would say number one, having a budget is important. 
um, because it, number one, forces you to take the project serious, first and foremost, and then also it forces other people to take the project seriously. Um, and then number two, treating people with respect, you know, well, let me rewind before treating people with respect, I would say, ask. You don't have because you don't ask. And that's the word of God. Like we, there were so many times where we had to just like literally humble ourselves and reach out to people and put ourselves out there and say, hey, we need help. This is what we're working on. Did we get a yes every time? No, sometimes we got some no's, but we got some incredible yeses too. And so really not being afraid to put ourselves out there and ask for help, I think was um, the second thing that I learned. Um, and then of course, the third thing is treating people with respect because you know when you take care of people, they, you know, number one, do better work and they enjoy what they're doing. But secondly, they also want to work with you again. They remember how you treat them. You know, Maya Angelou, my namesake, you know, people may not remember what you say or they may not remember what you do, but they always remember how you make them feel. So if you make them feel important and special and valuable, like they remember that. So those were some of the main things that I you know, remembered or learned and that I will take with me as we're working on other projects, you know, like we're trying to build a community, you know, of people that not only want to work with us again, but that, you know, we can call on for other opportunities. So really excited about that. Well, I am inspired, Maya, and I'm super excited for you guys. I cannot wait to watch the short film. I've heard lots of good things about it already. I'm so Yay. excited. That's awesome. Yay. So it's noble character time. Woo. So I have a noble character. All right. All right. Um, I want to recognize Miss Simone Biles. Yes. Um, and since, you know, we were kind of talking about Shikari Richardson, I just thought, it would be a great fit to talk about Simone Biles um, mm -hmm. as noble character. Mm -hmm. um, so she didn't do well in an Olympic challenge. Um, so she came out the next day and she said she needed to work on her mental health. Yeah. Now, some people uh, reacted very negatively to her, um, you know, stepping, stepping down from the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, people were, commenting saying like you're the reason why we lost to Russia and then you had other people on the flip side saying that it was very uh, it was good for her yeah uh, because someone like Simone that spins as fast as she does in the air if she comes down the wrong way like she could really she could hurt herself kill herself even mm -hmm. um if she falls all right falls the wrong way on her head mm -hmm. um so if your head is not like fully into it yeah then, you know it's wise to not um do it yeah and i think the reason um that she said um was for anxiety and nervousness oh, wow. um, so i want to recognize her for making her mental health a priority and not putting herself in danger because of other people's expectations. So I, I wanted to choose her as my woman of noble character. That's awesome. Yes, Simone Biles. That's awesome. Mine actually falls in line with that. I was actually going to acknowledge Naomi Osaki, um, basically because, um, or is it Osaka? I'm sorry, I, mean, I said her last name wrong. But um, 
for very similar reasons, you know, she stepped out of competing because for mental health reasons, and she was very upfront about it. What I really, that's what I really respected about it. Like she was upfront and saying like, this is what I'm not comfortable with. And if you don't like it, or if you don't agree with it, or if I can't compete without engaging reporters day in and day out, then, you know, then I just won't compete. Like she was very like, I'm going to stand by my decision all or nothing, you know? And so I really respected that about her because it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, well, if I can't compete, then I guess I'll just deal with it. It was like, no, I'm really going to stand by this because my mental health is more important. And so I think that's a beautiful thing, especially for um, Gen Zers. Both of them are Gen Zers for that generation to really see the importance of mental health. And um, I know, you know, I, I come from the generation where it's like, you know, I said it before you, you back it up, whatever you, you whatever you're going to say, you back, you, you back, you back it up. And so I, I appreciated them standing by what they said, you know, and if it meant losing or not having, you know, a medal or another trophy or more accolades, then so be it. But they saw the importance of it. And so that is a beautiful thing for me. And I think it was a great example to others as well. Like your mental health is important and that should come before anything else, because if you're not if you don't have peace of mind, then you really have nothing to offer, you know, like that's a substance, that's a value that will actually last and carry on. So shout out to our young black female athletes who are, they're, they're setting the standard and they're being role models, not just in performance, but in, you know, how they carry themselves and how they engage the culture. So I think that's an awesome yes. thing. Yeah. Do you want to tell the Becoming Eva fans about the BE Challenge? Yes, I certainly, certainly will. And we'll post about this as well. But hey, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you want us to talk about, what you want to discuss, what you want to learn about, you know, what you want to hear from us because we're here for you. Like we, we want to be a resource for you. We want to be able to present tools that can help you on your journey, you know? And so any topic ideas that you have, um, any uh, thing that you want to hear us discuss or learn more about, let us know. And here's how you can let us know. Okay. You can, you can slide in them DMs <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter at Becoming Eva Today. You can definitely do that. You can post on this video in the chat right now. You can say, hey, this is what I want to hear about. This is what I want to learn more about. We want to know your opinion about this. or we want you to, you know, talk about this. Like you can tell us now. You can post it on our Facebook page at Becoming Eva Today. Like tell us what you want us to talk about this season because we want to cater to you. Like we really want to, you know, I'm not going to do my Beyonce Destiny's Child dance, but <laughs> we want to cater to you and uh, be a resource for you. So that's yeah. our your BE challenge to tell us what you want us to talk about this season. Yes. And don't forget to join us next Thursday, Hot Topic Thursday. Hey. So don't forget to join us. Tune in a Facebook Live. Um, subscribe to our podcast on the podcast. 
podcast app, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Becoming Eva Today. That's one word. And see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Click subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast. Check us out at becomingevatoday.com or email us at becomingevatoday.com. See you next time. time.